Good morning to all the MyWarp listeners. Thank you very much for returning. We appreciate every single one of you coming back to listen to our views of how the future of mining looks like. This is Jean Roux, your podcast show host together with MP Stradom. And today we have Johan Rickert back to deliver podcast five in the series of Unified Business Planning and how we do this. Good morning, Johan. Hi, good morning, John, and good morning to everybody listening to us. Johan, uh, we got a few personal responses back to your previous podcast. I'm very pleased with that, of the interaction that we've had with other countries. Yeah, it looks like our listeners are taking heed of uh, what your messages are. Yeah, it was very exciting to start at least uh, communicating with listeners as well. Excellent. Summarize for us the four podcasts that we had up to now, and then you introduce podcast five, please. For podcast one, we discussed how MinRP's capability revolutionized, you know, the granularity and the record time and how of producing mine plans and options and scenarios and the impact that it has on planning. Second podcast, we devoted to dynamic business planning and how that gets enabled. In podcast three, we discussed MinRP's capability to enable a financial control so that it becomes part of the short interval control, becoming a real-time operation. And then lastly, MinRP's enablement of the financial integration code, which then lives across from MinRP to planning to work managers and in the ERP, so that in all systems, we refer to the same code for the same thing. Johan, so I think the first three podcasts are around uh, starting with why, slowly moving over to how. So podcast four was really about how, the financial integration code, how do we do it? So steering over to podcast five, what do you talk about? Today we're talking about the activities. We've talked about activities quite a lot, but today we, we are asking the question, what must I know about an activity so that we can identify them and define them for operational purposes. And in this regard, I must just say that we are talking, you know, we're using activity in business planning, financial forecasting and mind planning and budgeting, short-term, long-term planning down to short interval control. So we are talking sort of generically about all those environments simultaneously. I just want to forewarn that because it could be slightly different in some of these applications. So, Johan, it's interesting to know that the financial replication of all the information or the financial view of all the information is really the bringing together of everything that happens in the business. So, take us through the different steps. First, summarize for us the steps that you're taking us through for today. Well, the first step would be just to say what, what is an activity or broad definition Secondly, how do we identify them? And thirdly, we're talking about the characteristics, the elements and the components and functionalities of an activity, Excellent. which is all helping us to define it. Johan, right, dive into the detail for us. Well, step one, activities are firstly an engineered or properly designed unit of work. Okay. Secondly, it can consist out of a number 
of work packages. So mm -hmm. that is performed in a cycle in order to complete one activity. Mm. Then it is performed at a specific place and time. Mm -hmm. It also then has a duration, a start time, an end time, which gives you the time that it takes to do it, which can lead to a lead time uh, usage in this whole configuration. You want what about air? Pumped air doesn't have a uh, start and end time. When we have those continuous processes, we will then artificially put an end time to match our calendars and our cutoff dates or month ends, etc. Okay, so to, cool. uh, to facilitate that, yes. Okay. And then the, it is performed in accordance with an engineered standard operating procedure and uh, processes. Yeah. And to find out what it's costing to do that activity or to perform it, we cost it with reference to a designed and engineered bill of resources required to perform the activity. Okay. So those are the main headlines, if, I, if we may, of what an activity are. Okay. Step two. The second step is to identify. It's actually to break down the whole mine into activities. So mm -hmm. I have previously, now I've approached it was just to start with a high level ore flow process, which normally starts at geology and ends at the final product. So if one have that compiled, and normally those are available, I would go and say, well, let's take one component, let's say the ore processing plant. When we zoom into that, one can then start recognizing, oh no, there's blending, there's crashing, there's a mole, there's a concentrator, and there's some dispatching at the end. So we're just breaking it into its smaller components. And that we will then say, well, let's take the concentrator. In the concentrator, we may identify things like ore feed, reagent preparation, flotation, drying, and bagging. Mm -hmm. And so we continue to break it down in its smaller components that complies with all the other elements that we will be talking later on. In this process, it's better to do it too finely and then just later add two things together. It is much less of a problem than if we don't bring this down in granularity. Okay. Now get, it, get us into step three, which is the meat of today's discussion. Right. In step three, what is the characteristics and so forth of it? We firstly comes to the fact that an activity in almost all cases does have an output or a deliverable. In paneling and on a bench or so forth, we end up with broken rock. Loading deliver ore onto a hauler and a hauler delivers to a say a stockpile or wherever it dumps it. We also can take samples. That's an activity. And the process delivers samples. The samples go to the laboratory. That's an activity to, do, to often, deliver results. Oftentimes performed by different departments. So they need to be scheduled into this as well. Exactly. That's right. And, and in that granularity, it can then be properly sequenced and scheduled. And lastly, a creditor's clock, for instance, produces reconciliations amongst other things. So if one takes that view and start applying that 
to the different components that we're looking at, it gives us a lot more clarity. But we also must specify output. Mm-hmm. You can't just say there's an output or whatever. It is specifically. We need to look at quantities and qualities, characteristics, consistencies, accuracy. Well, we may even determine that it must be digital. <laughs> because what it outputs becomes the inputs later for something else. Yep. And making sure that it's the right thing that we output is very important. That brings us then, obviously, I've now mentioned it, to input. Mm-hmm. Firstly, we normally would look at raw material input. And you may find that raw material obviously goes into many activities, but they are in a different place or in a different form by the time it goes in there. We may start with the reserve that is there, that is get blasted, becomes broken rockets, and input then to loading, to hauling, to conveying, etc., until it gets to a concentrator eventually. Secondly, we identify the consumables. Now, I always say this is consumables, and I'm not talking here that we're consuming people and teams, we're consuming the man hours, okay? So mm. these are things like consumable materials, spares for maintenance activities, utilities, reagents, machine hours, people, teams, and labor skills that we require, yep. as well as even contractors and so forth. Mm-hmm. And this becomes the first step of establishing the bill of resources for that activity. At the later stage, we will obviously break it down into very much more detail into line items and so forth and identify an individual cost driver for each one of them. Mm. And again, input also need to be specified, you know, quantity, quality, characteristics, accuracy, etc. Because we now effectively defining the demand that this activity have on a previous activity. Okay. We, we many times say that the market demands from the concentrator, the concentrator demands from the mine. What yes. we are now saying, we're going down in granularity. <laughs> the crusher may demand, the mole may demand, etc., right down to the face. Okay. Yep. And the quality of the main characteristics of your inputs can be different. For plant feed, your contained metal and the mix thereof in the ore is a very important component to know about your input. Yep. In the case of a crusher, that may not be so important, but a crusher may, for it, that may be more important to know how hard is this material. So yeah. it is, each one is an individual case, and it depends on what it happens in that activity and what influences that activity the most. Okay. I also prefer to look at dependency. In most cases, obviously, the inputs are equal to dependencies. We can't work without the inputs into a process. But there are other dependencies. Like a stove cannot go ahead unless the ledging hasn't been done or the ventilation of certain developments or all passes haven't been done. Now, that fortunately, minor P takes care of in the mine plan. Yeah. But we must also eat the parts of our business where mine RP can't do the job for us must be take cognizance of that because it could have very important impacts and uh, consequences. Okay. 
And don't forget about dependencies like services and support and even things like supervision. Yeah. And then I've got the, the surprise one. I call it the consequential output. Yeah. Wastewater, noise, heat, carbon, dust, etc. Pollution. We need to bring into our planning processes these things as we plan for everything else. We must have standards. We must be able to evaluate the standards. We must look at compliance. We need to do planning. We need to execute it, measure it, report it, etc. So by bringing it in as parcel of it, it helps us to apply all the science of management, if I may call the, that phrase like that, yeah. to those elements, because they obviously are seriously important. Yeah. The next step is to define, and I would call it generally, the KPIs of the activity. If we view the activity as a key performance area, so what will be the KPIs then of that activity? When we do this, it guides us and it becomes a basis for costing and variance analysis and the monitoring on that activity. It also needs to be defined so that the variation in input can be monitored. And what is the effect if my input doesn't comply, let's say, to quality or hardness and so forth, what will it do to that operation? And how will it affect the bottom line at the end of the day? So that one can do the risk and sensitivity analysis, etc., around these things. Got it. Okay. Next one. I then talk about determining the financial probable capacity. For this moment here, I'm looking at planning and I'm looking at business planning. And this is a strategic exercise, not a budgeting exercise, where yeah. we're setting targets. All right. Mm. So I'm now more in the strategic environment so that we can know what is the maximum capacity, where can we push things to when we need to, but we also need to know what is a healthy, sustainable operational capacity, which we should try to maintain, which is the maximum, obviously, as impacted by operational factors, maintenance, legal constraints, etc., Sounds like the nameplate capacity of the full system you want. That's correct. Okay. And then the next item is to look at historical unplanned variations. It could be weather, it could be strikes, it could be safety incidents, it could be machine breakdowns. Yeah. There could be a big host of those things. So that we bring in the probability of those things happening again. Because if they've happened in the past, unless we have good reason, they are prone to happen again. Okay. Through that, we do two things. We are capable of doing a lot of simulations and what-if analysis, checking what uh, the bottom line comes out to be under various scenarios, although we still have the same mining plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. But these things happen despite what mining plan we have. And that is not something that tries to be correct to the first decimal point. We're in a strategic and a longer term level, but we can play around with this and get a better handle of what the future looks like. Where those calculations are done and maintained is not important. It is an availability linked to a specific activity. Yeah. If we have all of this done up to this point in time, we have actually put ourselves into a position where we can now receive from MineRP the activity 
per workplace to be performed during a specific time period, whether it's a month, week or day, uh, doesn't matter. We can now see how many times a cycle of activity is going to take place and how many times an activity is going to be performed, say, in a week or in a month. With reference to the standard operating procedure of what is applicable to the area of the mine where this activity takes place, we can then define which is the will be at a specific cutoff date. Maybe it's a costing week or a costing month or whatever. We can determine what is working progress. So yeah. costing curve, but tons not yet available. Yeah. That will be carried to the next uh, period. Yeah. We obviously identify the completed work, which is costed against the tons that was delivered. Okay. So by introducing this plus some virtual and actual stocking points, we can actually track the ore flow okay. in costing and financial terms, as well, obviously, as quantity and average weight, average qualities. Okay. And that is very important in the whole process of costing, also costing of stock, uh, but also costing of operations and the activities. Then the other issue is overheads. We do not suggest, I just want to say that out loud from the beginning, we do not suggest doing the activity-based costing detail of allocating the overhead cost. What we're proposing is that overhead cost can be, firstly, it's just another activity, it's supervision, people, etc., where we have to provide for discretionary cost, which is a reality of life in those environments. Okay. But if we do it like this, there's three benefits that we achieve. And it is that we clearly understand how we allocate overheads at what point in the production line, which process, what combination of activities benefits from a certain overhead. In benchmarking, we are now working with a finer granularity and with knowing more in detail what we compare with what, we make sure that we compare apples with apples. For instance, in a value tree. Now, normally the value tree, the tree itself, is just a dashboard. The really important thing there is the underlying costing and accounting system that delivers those numbers. Because we don't want to go from scratch and go and calculate them every time we want to compile a value tree. In this basis, in the granularity we're doing this now, is firstly, it greatly enhances the granularity as well as the accuracy of values that we can use in the value tree, as well as it makes values that we need directly accessible because it is already available within either the planning or in the accounting system. Okay. If we have implemented this in its fullest extent. The two other things that it enables, just a quick reference, it really plays a big role in the automation of costing and accounting. And then the accurate estimation of future demand for consumables is greatly enhanced, which really helps the process procurement and the supply chain in, you know, in the longer strategic planning, as well as the replenishment trying to drive stock levels there. It plays a major role into that. Now, I must just emphasize the fact that activities and the way we want to do planning and so forth is not for financial purposes. This is not only exclusively a financial process. 
right? It is really a management tool because yeah. doing it this way, we enable the long-term plan, whether that's operational or financial, both, and short-term plan, operational and financial. When we do execution, operational and financial, yeah. short interval control over it, operational or financial, they mm -hmm. all sing from the same hymn book. Yep. We may have a pianist, a violinist, a vocalist, a conductor <laughs> involved, but they produce a perfectly harmonized melody. I love it. And that is how I'd like to see it, because that works. Yeah. In summary, this is a goal-orientated exercise. The goal is being more efficient, more effective, more productive, increase sustainable shareholder value. It will require changes in processes and maybe even in procedures. So we must be ready for that. And my last comment is that it is not just a mechanical process. Some of the steps is fairly clearly definable, but yeah. healthy judgments is often going to be required. And previous experience, obviously, is a very big help, having done it before. My first attempt was only 70% accurate. We had to go and revise 30% of it. Second attempt, we only had to revise 5% of it. So, you know, we learn through maybe our mistakes or through previous experience. And this is what I quickly wanted to share with our listeners today. Excellent. So to the listeners, if your mouth is watering to have a system like this, Johan Rickert, CFO for longer than 30 years in capital intensive businesses have done this before several times he's advising us on how to do this please get into contact so today's podcast again fifth in the series talking about how the definition of activities is much more than just a mechanical process and you've heard him say that healthy judgment is required Yuan, thank you very much. We are in the bowels of it. Next time, what shall we do to summarize all of this, to put a bow on this? Some people well, might be is... confused about all the detail at this point, Yuan. I think now that the listeners have got a much better grasp of the terminology and the things that we're talking about, it's time to step back and look at the big picture, how it all fits together once more. Because with this as background, I think it will make a lot of things that we presented in the beginning will now fall in place and people will really be able to understand the big picture. So stick with us. Thank you very much for listening. Jean-Ru with Johan Rickert. Thank you and bye-bye.